Welcome to The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Listen to Joe tackle the really tough moral issues, current events, and politics from a Catholic perspective. Now here's Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Hello again, Sixpack family. Welcome back to The Cantankerous Catholic, episode 111. Last week, we talked about the serious need we all have to evangelize. Evangelization doesn't just mean helping non-Catholics to become Catholics, nor does it mean just helping lapsed Catholics to revert to the faith of their fathers. It doesn't even mean just saving regular Catholics from the modern errors that have crept into the Church, largely because of faithless and cowardly bishops and priests. Evangelization is certainly all of those things, but there's another dimension to evangelization that's more personal than those reasons to evangelize. That's what we're going to talk about this week. My salvation certainly depends on this week's topic, so I suspect yours may too. I'm going to give you a little education here that I've never seen any Catholic leader, lay or cleric, teach the common lay Catholic faithful in the pew, but many of them have told me that they selfishly keep it to themselves as a sort of secret. I have to admit that I've been guilty of that too, albeit unintentionally. Several emails I received about last week's episode made me aware that I've been guilty of keeping this secret, but not anymore. The little bit of education I'm going to pass along should have already been done, so sit tight and prepare to get fired up. Do you have an apostolate you'd like other Catholics to learn about? Maybe you have an e-commerce business and you want to build sales while supporting a holy Orthodox apostolate. Whatever you want to advertise, the Cantankerous Catholic is your portal to success. The Cantankerous Catholic is barely two years into broadcasting its weekly shows and we're already listened to in 77 countries, all 50 states, and 177 major cities throughout the U.S. and Canada. Our listener demographics are the most sought after for advertisers. The Cantankerous Catholic avatar is 53% men and 47% women, ages 18 to 34. The show's average growth rate through 2020 was 14% per week, and our listeners are Orthodox Catholics who reject heterodox Catholic positions and political correctness. Relative to other podcasts and online advertising, our rates are extremely cost-effective and inexpensive. You can advertise in each episode's show notes, in the recorded episode itself, our weekly newsletter that announces each new episode, all of these media together, or in any combination. So contact us today on the Sponsor Kit page on our website, cantankerouscatholic.com, or email Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, directly at joe at cantankerouscatholic.com to learn how you can begin driving traffic to whatever you want to promote while helping to support a worthy, orthodox, and hard-hitting apostolate. We all know that trying to fulfill Jesus' command in Matthew 5.48 to be perfect is how we save our soul. We all know that this command encompasses things like staying in a state of grace by avoiding sin and the near occasions of sin, going to confession with regularity and frequency, performing all the spiritual and corporal works of mercy, and generally trying to imitate the virtues of Christ and his saints throughout history. But there's this other dimension that people like myself have unjustly kept from you. 
I don't think there's any malice from anyone who knows what I'm going to talk about and kept to themselves. Frankly, I think this is perhaps the best kept secret in the Bible among we lay evangelists and apologists because we're ashamed to admit the truth. Maybe I should tell you a little bit about myself that you don't know so you can understand my shame. Prior to my conversion to the Catholic faith, I was an evil man. I began life in the army, where I trained to carry and use a gun. Not for the purposes of war, though all of us were taught that in basic training, but ostensibly for the purposes of law enforcement. I was highly trained in the specific areas of investigations and special weapons and tactics as an urban sniper. The problem I faced was twofold. I loved what I did, and I was too young to be allowed by any law enforcement agency in those days to use my skills and talents in the civilian world. I left the Army because it had been decimated by our peanut farmer president, and morale was at an all-time low. I should have stayed in the Army, but I didn't. Unemployment was the highest it had been since the Great Depression, and we were suffering from double-digit inflation. Things were extremely tough for a young man starting out in life, and I had no sort of a safety net. I decided to use the skills the Army gave me in the only way available to me at the time. Florida was the leading region of the country for smuggling drugs into this country. Cocaine was especially prevalent. Law enforcement agencies were making a lot of arrests of drug smugglers, and most of those people were being released on bonds of a million dollars or more. A million dollars for those people was merely the cost of doing business. It was chump change to them. So in almost every case, these smugglers would bond out and then promptly disappear. That created an explosion of opportunities for fugitive recovery agents. That's a fancy term for bounty hunters. I assigned myself to one big bail bondsman in Florida, and I was so successful at recovering bail jumpers for him that other bondsmen wanted me to do work for them as well. I happily obliged these multiple bail bondsmen because the money was good if I was successful at bringing these criminals in. I quickly got to the point that I only took jobs where the bond was a million dollars or more because the payout for me was 10%. The problem with chasing drug smugglers was that they were very serious about staying out of jail. They'd do anything to avoid capture, and that meant trying to kill me to do so. Consequently, I had to sink as low morally as the men I chased. I have no idea what the industry is like today, but 40 years ago it didn't matter how a bail jumper was returned to the custody of the state. In other words, the state didn't care whether those men were breathing or not. Therefore, I was always prepared to bring my guy in dead. Adding to my criminal behavior that was protected by law, all the law enforcement agencies hated bounty hunters. They were as intent on putting us in jail as we were putting the men we chased in jail. Therefore, we bounty hunters were forced by circumstances to become even more criminal. What I didn't understand about bail bondsmen when I started in those days was that the biggest of them were mobbed up. Organized crime used the bail bonding agencies to launder illegal money. The only bail jumpers they'd allow us to chase were men who were bailed out of jail that weren't connected to the criminal organizations that laundered money through that particular bail bonding agency. 
I might be chasing men who were approved for me to chase by one agency, but then learned that another bondsman I did work for protected the guy. It became dangerous and potentially lethal from all sides. The cops wanted to bring me down. The bail jumpers wanted to bring me down. Often one bondsman wanted to bring me down while another was paying me to bring a man in. It was confusing and dangerous, but the money was good. There was another aspect. As I said, these very big and successful bonding agencies were essentially owned by organized crime organizations. Without being aware of it at the time, I was occasionally performing tasks for these criminal organizations. And when they get their hooks into you, it's hard to get out. Fortunately, when I'd finally had enough and was ready to get out, a particular crime boss allowed me to get out with his blessing and protection after I performed a final task for him. That task was a sting operation that allowed him to get rid of one of his competitors by helping law enforcement put the guy behind bars. Of course, the trick was to make it appear the law enforcement agency had done the actual work and even make them believe that they'd done it themselves. I had a good chance of being killed pulling off this nearly impossible situation, but pulling it off would mean I'd be a free man. Thanks be to God, I ended up free, and obviously I'm still alive. Being free from the life I was leading led me to another problem. My life had been so crazy that I had trouble adjusting to my newfound freedom. I spiraled downward, completely out of control. I lost absolutely everything. I'd lost my money. I'd lost my family. I'd lost my friends. I'd also lost what little self-respect I had left. Once I hit rock bottom, that's when God introduced the opportunity for conversion. Initially, I grabbed the chance to become a Catholic out of sheer desperation. I'm ashamed of my past. Apart from my time in the military, I really don't have too much to be proud of, but that changed when I became a Catholic. I have hundreds of converts and reverts under my belt, and 84 of them became my adult godchildren. I made nearly all these converts and reverts in one-on-one and small group venues. There are two reasons why I've devoted the last 30 years to making converts and reverts. I guess the biggest reason is because after the life I'd lived, I found lived Catholicism to be the most exciting life I can imagine. I'm so excited to be a Catholic that every morning when I open my eyes, the very first thought I have is, hey, I'm a Catholic. I'm serious about that. The second reason why I've devoted the last 30-plus years to making converts and reverts is the best-kept scriptural secret that I want to share with you today. All of our sins, even the tiniest venial sin, has to be paid for with temporal punishment. That debt can only be paid for in two ways, either in this life or in purgatory. I've read enough about purgatory that I don't want to spend any time there. I want to skip it, if at all possible. My former life was full of evil. I lived so horribly that my past has had one lasting effect that's hard to beat. When a man lives a life like I had, many unwelcome memories are created. Those memories, when they come to mind due to various stimuli, cause temptations those who have a better past don't have. 
Even though my past holds no guilt because absolution cleansed my soul, I'm still filled with a heavy, palpable shame, and that shame makes me all too aware of the price I have to pay for my past. Indeed, because of my past, my mind is always plagued with the fear that I might end life without being saved, being condemned for all eternity. But God, in His infinite mercy, has provided a way to help people like me. James writes in 4.19 and 20, My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. So this is the second reason why I work hard at sharing the faith with others. Non-Catholics to help them convert, lapsed Catholics to bring them back to the fold, and poorly catechized Catholics to help them better understand and live our holy and ancient faith. This passage from James is my greatest hope for salvation. So why do you think that you need to be aware of this passage and this message of hope? I very seriously doubt that there's a single listener who has a past even remotely similar to mine, and I thank God for that. At the same time, I'm certain that all of you have things in your past you're ashamed of, and a lot that you're going to have to pay for. To demonstrate the truth of what I'm saying, think about this. Do any of you really want your entire life exposed on the evening news? I suspect every one of you said a resounding no to that idea. And why? Because you have plenty of secrets from your past that cause you shame. We all do. Apart from the fact that we all have a moral obligation to evangelize, I'm making you aware of this passage in James to give you a greater hope for salvation and to motivate you to begin taking up evangelistic efforts. One thing I need to tell you about evangelization is that you're not responsible for success. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Your only job is to allow yourself to be the source of conveying Catholic truth that the Holy Spirit can use. If I'd never made a convert over the last 30 plus years, it wouldn't matter. I've done what God expects me to do. The point of telling you this is to relieve you of any pressure you may feel to achieve success in evangelization. Just trying to evangelize is the very definition of success. Now let's talk about the actual process of evangelization. I want to tell you about something that happened this past week and it's something that happens every few weeks. An elderly listener contacted me about a relative this person has who began inquiring about Christianity due to recent events in that relative's life. That relative's questions were complex, so the listener asked the relative if I could be involved in the discussion. The relative said yes, so now I'm in dialogue with that relative. This relative isn't a Catholic, yet. I'm not even sure this person is a Christian of any affiliation. The point is, because of this podcast, I'm being given the opportunity to reach a soul that ordinary circumstances would never allow. Now think about this. Wouldn't it be exciting and add great joy to your life if you could experience the same thing? You can, you know. Once again, I'm going to talk to you about the possibility of starting your own Catholic podcast. As I told you last week, podcasting is the fastest-growing medium in the Internet. The growth of podcasting is such that it's going to completely replace terrestrial radio within a decade. 
If you listen to radio shows, even in the shows you listen to, you may not hear content you're interested in. Furthermore, you have to make yourself available to hear the radio show you're wanting to hear on the show's schedule. But with a podcast, you listen because you're interested in that show's content all the time, and you can listen to it anytime you want. If you really liked a particular episode, you can listen to it again something you can't do with terrestrial radio. You're probably thinking to yourself that you don't have anything to offer a Catholic audience. You'd be thinking wrongly. We're all social creatures, and because of that, we have plenty to offer. Maybe you could have a show all about the brown scapular. There's enough material on that topic alone to help you develop a niche audience for a show that could last for years. Maybe you could do a show about nothing but catechesis. But Joe, I don't know enough to do that. Well, neither did I when I started. Do you know what made me an expert at catechesis and a walking Catholic encyclopedia? Teaching other people. Did I make mistakes? (laughs) You bet I did. Just like I make mistakes on this show all the time. So, we learn through repetition and having enough humility to acknowledge we're not perfect at what we do. Here's a suggestion for a show. The vast majority of people in this country believe in evolution, at least to some degree. That includes Christians of every stripe, despite a professed belief in God. Yet the various theories of evolution break down to utter nonsense in both the face of science, the laws of thermodynamics, and logic and reason. Why don't you think about a show that exposes the fallacies of evolution? A show like that would be popular and could last for years. Don't be intimidated by this show or any podcast you listen to. A show doesn't have to be daily. It doesn't have to be an hour long. There are a lot of very popular podcasts out there in various niches that are average 10 or 15 minutes per episode. Length and frequency are unimportant. The only two important things in that regard are the quality of your content, letting listeners know you respect them enough to give them good content. The other important thing is regularity, regardless of frequency. If you intend to have a daily show, make sure your episodes come out every day. Nearly all of you are loyal listeners to this show. Thank you, by the way. You know that this show has a new episode that comes out the same day and time every week, so you know you can listen every week to the new episode whenever you want. But how many of you would remain loyal listeners if an episode comes out weekly for a while, then skips a few weeks, and you never really know when a new episode will come out? You probably wouldn't listen very long, and who could blame you? The Catholic niche in podcasting is hardly tapped at all. There are perhaps several hundred Catholic podcasts out there, but only a couple of dozen that regularly publish new episodes and have any listenership at all. Podcast audiences are generally much smaller than radio audiences, but that's because podcasts are targeted toward narrowly defined niche audiences. Catholic audiences are among the most narrowly defined in the industry. I began The Cantankerous Catholic two years ago. I began with 30 to 40 listeners. I never have spent a dime to market this show because I haven't had a dime to spend. Today, two years later, I have nearly 32,000 of you in this six-pack family.
while that still doesn't seem like much of an audience, this show is in the top 10 Catholic podcasts originating in America. You can do that too. Imagine being able to reach souls all over the world. Did you know that the Cantankerous Catholic is listened to in 86 countries, 75% of listeners in America? It is, and yours can be too. Worried about what to talk about? Contact me and I'll help you figure out what type of Catholic podcast you'd be best at. John Lee Dumas at Podcasters Paradise helped me figure out what direction to take this show through his course. I couldn't have begun this podcast without the Podcasters Paradise course. It was well worth the money. Admittedly, my early episodes were horrible. I was terrible. Maybe some of you think I'm still terrible and only listen to me out of sympathy. That's okay. But you have to admit that my episodes today are much better than my early episodes, and that's because of the practice I've had. You can do it too. You can reach souls that I can't reach because everyone has something different to bring to the table. And in the process, if you want to, you can monetize your podcast and earn a full-time living doing it. I have friends who do. The reason I don't make this podcast earn money is because of a promise I made to Raymond Leo Cardinal Burke some years ago. But there's certainly no sin in making your hard work pay you a living. So here's what you need to do. First, pray about starting your own podcast. Second, contact me if you have any questions and I'll guide you as best I can. Third, Go to my show notes and click on one of the Podcaster's Paradise links to see if what John Lee Dumas has to offer is right for you. I think it will be. Finally, commit to reaching as many souls as you can. If you decide to start a podcast, I'll happily promote it for you without charge on The Cantankerous Catholic. If you want to, I'll even be a guest on your show and let you interview me for your audience. Together we'll change the world one soul at a time. The whole reason this apostolate exists is for you, for the sake of your souls. I not only do the Cantankerous Catholic Podcast, but I also offer a free email course through joe6packanswers.com and offer a free webinar series called Sharing the Catholic Faith. I do everything I can for the benefit of souls, reaching out to both practicing Catholics, lapsed Catholics, and non-Catholics. As Raymond Leo Cardinal Burke told me, you receive the faith freely, share it with others freely. So I work alone and I do everything I can afford to do without cost to you. Until the lockdowns, I almost always earned enough revenues to cover expenses, and that's all I've ever cared about. Since the China virus lockdowns, I've had to face some pretty tough financial realities. During the lockdowns, my revenues were decimated, and I've had to pay expenses out of my pocket. Mrs. Sixpack and I live solely on our Social Security, which is very little. Paying monthly expenses out of pocket means doing without personal necessities, but we're committed to reaching souls. So it would be a great help if you'd help us meet our expenses. Therefore, I've decided that every January, April, July, and October, I'm going to ask you to help me help souls. 
In my show notes in the podcast player and at cantankerouscatholic.com, you'll find a link under the resources heading that reads, Help Keep Joe Sixpack, the Every Catholic Guy Apostolate, Alive. Please click on that link to give to the apostolate, and please check the box to make it a recurring gift if you can. The gift page will say Catholic Media, LLC. And I thank you in advance for your generosity. Oh, and be assured that you'll be remembered in my daily hour of reparation and rosary. Joe Sixpack, the Every Catholic Guy, wants to make sure you're informed about all the Catholic news you need to know. Here's Joe Sixpack's top five Catholic news picks for this episode. Catholic news pick number five. Hats off to Catholic News Agency. The Vatican's doctrinal office has urged Catholics not to promote the alleged apparitions and revelations associated with the Marian title of Lady of All Nations, according to a Dutch bishop. Amen! You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick Number 4 Hats off to National Catholic Register. Pope Francis released a motu proprio that changes canon law to allow women to serve as lectors and acolytes. He expressed hope that the opening of these lay ministries to women might better manifest the common baptismal dignity of the members of the people of God. The Pope made a distinction between established or lay ministries and ordained ministries. This isn't surprising. It was expectedly inevitable when girls were permitted to serve at altar. What a farce. Ooh, that smells. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick Number 3 Hats off to Pillar Catholic. Lawmakers in North Dakota have introduced a bill to require priests to report knowledge or suspicion of abuse, even if it means violating the seal of confession. Christopher Dodson, executive director and general counsel for the North Dakota Catholic Conference, called the bill a violation of our religious freedom. No, 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 no! You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick Number 2 Hats off to Detroit News. The public broadcasting system has fired attorney Michael Beller, who called for the children of Trump supporters to be put into re-education camps in an undercover video by Project Veritas. There is no place for hateful rhetoric at PBS, and this individual's views in no way reflect our values or opinions, the network said in a statement. Have you ever listened to PBS, the network your taxes fund? It's all hateful rhetoric all the time. Beller only got fired because Project Veritas caught him. We're watching you. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick Number 1 Hats off to Catholic News Agency. The Archbishop of San Francisco responded to the Speaker of the House accusing pro-life Trump voters of being sellouts. It's a doozy. That's awesome, dude! 
You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. I am hard, but I am fair. It's time for the Catholic Boot Camp with your drill sergeant, Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Learn the Catholic faith and how to defend it like you've never heard it before. This boot camp is tough, so there's no political correctness, no spirit of Vatican II, and no namby-pamby platitudes. Drill Sergeant Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, will prepare you for spiritual war. Now here's Joe Sixpack. The fourth commandment is, honor your father and your mother. This commandment obliges us to respect our parents, help them in their needs, and to obey them in all that isn't sinful. In the days prior to the communist takeover of China, an old missionary priest stood before a group of his first communicants on the morning of their first Holy Communion and spoke to them about the dangers that are in the world and showed them how a Christian who carries Jesus in his heart is able to resist these temptations. He related the story of Tarsius who, when only 13 years old, during the horrible Roman persecution, courageously offered to carry Jesus to his fellow Christians in prison who were to die the next day. He carried the host in a linen cloth on his chest with his arms crossed over it. On his way to the prison, he was stopped by a crowd of boys. One among them, who had been a Christian, knew what Tarsius carried and told his pals to rob the boy of his god. Tarsius kept his arms firmly folded over his breast. When the boys began to beat him, Tarsius said, I cannot, I dare not, I carry my god with me. Tarsius fell dead under his persecutor's blows. He never surrendered his god. At communion time, Albert was the last in line. The old missionary's hands began to shake as Albert approached. With a fervent prayer on his lips, he hesitantly gave the boy communion. Albert was the son of a notorious burglar. Only a few days before, his father had come home from jail, and his mother had died a long time ago. When the celebration was over, no one was waiting for Albert. He remained alone in a corner of the church and prayed, Oh Jesus, let me be like Tarsius. I carry you in my heart. Never let me give you up. Never let me surrender. When Albert got home, his father met him with scornful words. He even wanted the boy to stand lookout for him the following night when he planned to pull off a burglar of a rich man's house. But Albert said, I cannot. I dare not. I carry God in my heart. The father beat the boy until he was a bloody pulp. Neighbors heard the boy's screams and ran to his rescue. They found Albert dying, so they called the priest. When the priest arrived, with his arms crossed over his heart, Albert whispered to the old priest, Father, don't worry. I didn't give up Jesus. I didn't surrender. Then he died in the missionary's arms. What a wonderful son Albert would have been to his father, if the man hadn't been a criminal. Any man would be proud to have a son like Albert. Any boy who preferred death to mortal sin, especially while Jesus was still in him, would be a son any father could be proud to have. And Albert perfectly obeyed the fourth commandment. He refused to obey his father in a sinful act. The opposite is implied by his actions, that he would have otherwise been very obedient. 
The divine fatherhood is the source of human fatherhood. This is the foundation of the honor owed to parents. The respect of children, whether minor or adults, for their father and mother is nourished by the natural affection born of the bond uniting them. It is required by God's commandment, according to the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Children are to show their love and respect by speaking and acting with gratitude, trying to please their parents, readily accepting corrections, seeking parental advice on important matters, and praying for their parents. Likewise, grown children are obliged to continue in the respect of their parents, and they're to give both material and moral support when their parents are in need. The fourth commandment forbids disobedience toward parents in every form of disrespect, unkindness, stubbornness, spitefulness, wishing them evil, and violence. All of these are obvious implications of the fourth commandment, but it's sad that they have to be mentioned at all. The decline and destruction of the modern family is the primary cause of the decline and destruction of modern society. We lack the time to go into all the causes of family decline, but I'll at least mention a few for you to think about. It's terribly destructive and sad that 50% of marriages end in divorce. Divorce rates soared when so-called no-fault divorces were allowed nationwide. We'd long been a throwaway society of material things, but no-fault divorce turned marriage into a throwaway item. In turn, this made our children throwaways as well. People think children are resilient, and they are, but the damage caused to a child through divorce is the most overlooked form of child abuse. Very close to 100% of convicted felons are products of broken homes. The throwaway culture is seen in the culture of death. Abortion and artificial contraception send the subliminal message to both spouses and children that both are disposable, yet we allow it to continue in the case of abortion, and over 90% of Catholics live in a state of mortal sin by practicing contraception. It's illegal to use corporal punishment to discipline children in many jurisdictions, and many parents fear arrest, incarceration, and the loss of their families if they use this much-needed form of discipline. Children, particularly young children, fail to learn that there are consequences to bad decisions when corporal punishment isn't allowed. Add this to the fact that society no longer goes by any code of moral norm, and you have generations of young people who find nothing wrong with every form of evil that is today considered normal. Homosexuality, abortion, cheating, stealing, lying, sex outside of marriage, etc. The drastic changes in our culture and society since the Second World War, rebellion to authority, wives working outside the home, rejection of any public display of faith, etc., has led to a doomed future for the American family, unless we return to the established divine moral norms called the Ten Commandments. It should begin with this one and the first three we've already discussed. Next week, we'll finish looking at the Fourth Commandment and all that it implies. Under the Constitution, established law, and historic precedent, members of both houses of Congress and Vice President Pence could have saved our Constitutional Democratic Republic on January 6th, but they didn't. They could have stood up to fight for us, but they chose not to. Every one of these people are guilty of treason against the Constitution and the people of the United States of America. 
This has nothing to do with Trump losing the election, but rather the integrity of our elections and defending the Constitution. Therefore, until I've finished the list, every week I'll tell you who those Republican traitors are, five at a time. Then it's up to you to defeat these folks during the primaries in the voting booth so they're thrown out of office. They don't even deserve to be American citizens, much less members of Congress. This week's list of traitors include Senator Richard Burr, a Republican from North Carolina, Senator Shelby Moore Capito from West Virginia, Senator Bill Cassidy from Louisiana, and boy, he's in a lot of trouble since the impeachment, too. Senator Susan Collins of Maine, always been worthless as she can be. And Senator John Cornyn, a Republican from Texas. Texas? Really? The Catholic Church is 2,000 years old. A lot of wisdom has gained over two millennia. Each week we'll share some of that wisdom with a Catholic quote. So here's this week's Catholic quote. This week's Catholic quote is from St. Padre Pio. He said, Some people are so foolish that they think they can go through life without the help of the Blessed Mother. I believe a really great way to teach the faith is through stories, parables, and anecdotes. So here's today's story. At the time of Queen Elizabeth of England, there lived a rich baron named Stuart. Since Elizabeth executed Catholic priests, there weren't many of them left alive. But this baron had two, one in a palace in London, the other at his castle outside of the city. They were well paid and had no other duty except to wait until it would please the baron to confess his sins. This was his way of thinking. What can happen to me? I'm always secure whether I'm in my palace or in my castle. I have a priest in both places. In his false security, the baron lived a wicked life and didn't bother to going to confession as he should. Once on his way from his palace in London to his castle in the countryside, he suddenly became ill in his carriage. He was frightened and thought this was a punishment from God, and it was. Saddle your horse and go to the castle, he said to one of the drivers. To the other driver, he said, take the other horse and hurry to my palace. The one who brings a priest here first will receive a great reward. Both servants arrived at almost the same time and led the priest to the carriage. They opened it and saw the hardened sinner sitting there, cold and dead. It's most important that you use God's grace at the time he offers it. Don't let yourself be so foolish as to think, I'm going to commit this sin. I can always go to confession later. You can be fooled only once, and at that eternally, as Stuart was. He made the mistake of thinking he could do as he pleased and that God would send him a priest before he died. He was wrong. Don't be like Stuart. Every Catholic needs to be listening to the cantankerous Catholic, because this show will help you to learn to navigate through these tumultuous times, as well as learn, understand, and live our Catholic faith better. You can help other Catholics find the cantankerous Catholic much easier by leaving a review of this show at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Reviews cause the podcasting platforms to show the Cantankerous Catholic more often. And I thank you in advance for leaving. This has been the Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Thanks for subscribing and be sure to visit cantankerouscatholic.com to get your free copy of Joe's popular book, The Best of What We Believe, Why We Believe It. 